This is Live Well Talk on Intuitive Eating. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Union Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Join us today as Union Point Health social worker and therapist Christy Aquino to talk about how dieting can be a vicious cycle of losing then regaining weight. Uh, intuitive eating is a learned behavior and we're here to discuss the intuitive eating. Christy, start off, what is intuitive eating? Intuitive eating is really going back to our innate way to eat. We were born with recognizing our hunger and fullness levels, and when we're hungry, we eat. When we're full, we stop. And um, just being able to be aware of what our body is telling us and what we need at any given time. Does that include the intuitive eating, also include things that are intuitively good for you, as opposed to things that intuitively uh, not to play with the adjective uh, too much, but or adverb, excuse me, um, intuitively bad for you. Yes, it's um, it's important that when we think about, I, I see a lot of people who talk about intuitive eating and they say, well, I can eat whatever I want whenever I want. Well, the idea of intuitive eating is to... Um, Yes, if you want a candy bar to eat a candy bar, but it's also intuitively not healthy for any of us to eat a candy bar, you know, every day or five candy bars a day just because that's what we want. So intuitive eating is really going back to, yes, making healthier and more nutrient dense choices when we are hungry and fueling our body with those things when um, we're saying our body's telling us we're hungry. Yeah, uh, I think it's a Buddha saying, wise man uh, sleeps when tired, eats when hungry, uh, which is wisdom, of course. What is the relationship between food and uh, mind, body, and spirit so, so important? What we put in our body directly affects our mental health. So if somebody's consistently eating the sugars and the um, the carbs and the um, just feeding their body with all the, the less nutrient-dense things, then our mental health, the processed foods and stuff, it, it directly affects our mental health. I see a lot of college kids who come into my office and they're experiencing a lot of anxiety. Well, part of that is is that if we look at what a college kid's diet consists of, it's a lot of the processed foods and the chips and the soda and candy bars and all the unhealthy and unhealthier, the less healthy choices. Um, and so that direct, when we ask them to change their uh, diet and, and really look at getting more fruits and vegetables and lean proteins and fiber-filled carbs, then we start to see some of their anxiety symptoms change as well. Yeah, I, I think one thing that people intuitively misbelieve is that the lack of calories in what they drink. You know, I've had patients over the years that weigh, let's just pick some numbers here. They weigh 200 pounds and they want to weigh weigh 130. Uh, and, uh, you know, I find out they're consuming a thousand calories a day in drinks alone, mm-hmm. you know, so they're, they're mm-hmm. restricting their food, mm-hmm. but yet they're just wiping it out with uh, uh, sugar, sugary soft drinks, right. Gatorade, et cetera, sports drinks. And uh, I, I think that's an important for people to learn too. Has mm-hmm. that been your experience? Yes. Yes. We see a lot of people come in and they, you know, again, I go back to college kids because that seems to be... Um, where we see it a lot as well is the they come in and they're like, yes, I've had three monsters today. And I'm, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I feel good until that monster gets out of my body. And then I feel like I have to have another one because I lost my energy. And so it's a repetitive cycle that they get on. And then the amount of caffeine and sugar and all those things that are in an energy drink, how that affects their anxiety and being able to help them understand that it's not a healthy way of going about getting the energy that they need to fuel their body. Yes, it is not liquid sleep. No. As, uh, <laughs> I have to tell myself off. 
often? You know, I think when society-wise, and this, this is just isn't the United States, this is uh, Western society, we use food as a reward, mm-hmm. whether it's a birthday, whether it's a celebration. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that can be dangerous, can it? Oh, yes. Yes. Everything, if you think about it, uh, and the activities that you have in your week. Um, how many of those activities actually revolve around food? Whether it's going out for coffee and breakfast with somebody or whether it's having lunch, whether it's a gathering at the office, we always have food. Um, whether it's somebody bringing candy or snacks or something into the break room, um, dinner with people, it, most of our week can revolves around food. And so we really work with parents a lot to, if you're going to give a reward, make sure that it's not around food. You know, because otherwise kids just keep that's we just keep feeding that inability to be intuitive eaters by um, giving those foods as food as rewards. Yeah, that's it. You know, culturally, you you grow up in um, I'm 50 years old. So, you know, my grandmother grew up in the Depression Mm -hmm. and, you know, the activity of the home focused around food, but we're not farmhands anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, and so Mm -hmm. consuming that amount of calories just is is not healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we do have a tendency to already, as as we talked a little bit earlier, you know, a guy knows when he's full is when his stomach hurts. Right. You know, and I think uh, that's that's not healthy either, uh, of course. Could you just give some examples of what are some healthy foods, uh, maybe perhaps for snacks that somebody should look at? Well, some of the, you know, I, I guess I've gotten in the habit of I pack some fruits and veggies. So if it's a, you know, apple or a banana or some carrots or celery with peanut butter. Um, I, you know, sometimes we'll do like granola bars, um, anything that you can really just make sure, because again, we were talking earlier about being hangry and it's never good when any of us are hangry either. Right. So being able to just pack some of those things in your bag or in your purse or whatever, whatever you carry with you, have it in your desk drawer so that you can eat something because a lot of times what we find is that when we do make those unhealthy choices, I have a bowl of candy in my office for my clients. But if I don't have something that's readily available to me, that's a healthier, more nutrient dense choice, I'm always going to go to that bowl of candy, you know, so finding those almonds, I have almonds in my desk drawer, you know, whatever you like, that's kind of convenient is a good snack. Um, Just making sure that you have those readily accessible to you um, to prevent yourself from making those less um, nutrient dense choices in when you're getting to that hangry point. Right. You know, I, I always counsel patients on, um, this is a theory that that I've had for a long time, and it's it, there is some evidence now to support that, that aspartame is 200 times sweeter than sugar, mm-hmm. okay? So it's late afternoon, you're kind of feeling hungry, you grab a Diet Pepsi, you drink that down, but then you get a rebound because your brain thinks, all right, I got some sugar coming to me. And it doesn't get any because mm-hmm. it's aspartame. And then I think you crave carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. That's been a theory of mine for a long time. And there's some evidence behind that now mm-hmm. that it does cause carbohydrate craving. One of the other uh, concerns is that... Uh, we, you know, our life is as you is just structured. You breakfast, lunch, supper, and you're and you're saying get that, get away from that. Eat if you're hungry. You know, if you means missing a meal, great. You know, um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Correct. Okay. Right. There's so many. You can find any structure that you want out there, right? And that's part of the reason we um, have so many people with that diet mentality because we have um, programs that you can find that it's eat every two to three hours. We have programs that you can find of don't eat, you know, carbs or don't eat this or don't eat sugar. Sugar, whatever the case is. So yes, just again, it's going back to listening to your body. If you're hungry, eat. I, I think, you know, I've always thought that mm-hmm. part of the Atkins success was people stopped and paid attention to what they're eating. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think people realize that they grabbed a donut or a handful of mm-hmm. peanut M&Ms from the co-worker's mm-hmm. desk, etc. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's my weakness, peanut M&Ms, by the way. So if you want <laughs> to bribe me. What is the first step someone should do to begin to realize? I mean, it's not just obesity. I mean, I can, you can look in the mirror, stay on the scale and say, wow, I need to lose weight. I need, mm-hmm. to, I need to have better eating habits. But, but what, what, how does someone come to that mindset to look at that other than the desperation of, of being overweight? The first thing that I usually ask people to do is to journal right? Because we don't know. We don't even realize half the time what we're putting in our bodies. And it's not about counting calories. It's more about being aware of, I ate, I didn't think I ate that much because I ate small, three small meals. But if you look at and you journal what you ate, like between those meals, I, again, I have that bowl of candy. If I really wanted to document one day and how many, you know, if I'm tired or I'm getting hangry or whatever, how many of those little candy bars I ate, if I document that, I'm more aware that, and I might not pick it up the next time, right? So documenting it just for the awareness so that we can understand how what we are consuming throughout the day. And then once we're aware of what we can are consuming, um, then maybe it's looking at, okay, I'm having a bowl of cereal in the morning. That's fine, have a bowl of cereal. But a lot of times when we're having a bowl of cereal, it's not a serving. It's usually like four servings on the box, right? right? So being aware of portion size, and it's really simple simple things um, that we just bringing the awareness back to our, our habits that we've created and the patterns that we just keep following because we keep doing what we've been doing. Yeah, I, my uh, my wife is a great cook and she loves to bake and uh, she'll be critical of when I overeat other food. But, you know, she expects second or third helpings when it's her food mm-hmm. because culturally that's the mm-hmm. household she grew up in, a, you know, a family that worked mm-hmm. hard, had big meals socially at the table. Um, and, and I think that's important. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about behavior at the table. Uh, let's, you know, I think all these podcasts, we, uh, the irony of it is that we bash on social media, but there's people listening to these podcasts on social media. But what, what, what about the devices at the supper table and how does that influence a healthy family and healthy eating? One of the things that we really teach in intuitive eating is the mindfulness of eating, right? A lot of times we sit down at the table and we just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat until, right, our stomach is so full, we don't even, like we're miserable. And so when we have those devices in front of us and we're engaged in something besides what's in front of us on our plate and being mindful about what we're eating, then that's when we begin to overeat. And as well as the social aspect of if we're sitting at the table with our family, use that time to engage in conversation and um, learn about how somebody's day went or um, what's coming up in the week. Utilize that time together. Yeah, I think it's a family effort too. Mm -hmm. Because uh, some families are going to have people that uh, can be very casual with calories, and it's just their metabolism. Correct. You know, if anything, the person that eats and never gains weight, they have an inefficient metabolism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're mm-hmm. not storing these yep. extra calories like they're designed to do. And uh, so, I, I do think it is a family effort. I, I always find it interesting. My grandmother, we'd have a big family meal, and she'd ask all the boys and the men, "Did you get enough to eat?" But she never asked the women. Wow. Yep. You know, because yep. that's just culturally, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, uh, you know, we, and, and having children and and I see them eat, you know, it, there is a degree of satisfaction to see your kid polish off some food, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because you're like, it's just a parenting thing. You feel yep. like you've done a good job, but that might not necessarily be the case. So I think it is a group effort. It is. It is. And we do a lot of times, right? Tell our kids, clean your plate. Make sure that you're cleaning your plate. Oh, yeah. If, we, if I filled your plate, it's your responsibility to clean clean yep. it, even if you're not hungry. Right. And so again, even as parents, making sure that we're, you know, teaching our kids to eat intuitively. If you're not hungry, it's okay. You know, maybe we'll save it for later. And I think another thing just, to, I know we talked about it, portion control. Yes. Um, 
I, I've had friends. I, I've only been to Europe once, um, and uh, but I've had friends that, particularly in the United Kingdom, you go to a restaurant, maybe a chain restaurant that we have here, they have there, mm-hmm. and you thought you ordered the kid meal, but it's really just the normal portions. Mm-hmm. It's the American, you know, supersize, mm-hmm. uh, which I find interesting, yes. uh, not in a good way, of course. Right. Well, Christy, this is great information, uh, and most of the questions I asked you today were motivated for my own self-interest uh, about learning more about this. Uh, again, this was Christy Aquino, a social worker and therapist with UniPoint Health. If you have a topic you'd like to suggest for our Live Well Talk On podcast, shoot us an email at stlukescr at unipoint.org. And we encourage you to tell your family, friends, and neighbors about our podcast. Until next time, be well.